now, like when people are saying to me, I can't believe you want to like be part of a brokerage that spends time training newbies. Like I can't think of a more amazing thing to be available for the broker community. When I was first starting out, I sought out programs. I, you know, read all Dustin's books. I listened to every podcast you put out. You know, there wasn't a lot. I took all the Claire Drage training. She had a bunch of training courses. I took all of her courses. I signed up for a course with you. Like I paid $10,000 for that course with you, right? Like I probably spent 20, 30, $40,000 in the first year on different training things to try and get the information I needed that you now have that in a nice, neat package at a brokerage where you have people to answer your questions, you have support, you have people who are there to submit, you have access to all the letters you need. Like, that's incredible because it wasn't something that was there when I started. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. This is episode 500. Oh my gosh, I can't even believe I've been doing this this long. And I can tell you that there's been many times that I almost pulled the plug in this podcast, and I'm glad I didn't because I've met so many amazing people and I've learned a ton. I wish I could remember everything that I learned. You know, I remember parts of it, but certainly not as much as I would like. And at the end of this episode, I'll tell you how you can go and basically search all of our episodes so everything that we've talked about but i want to tell you who i have on today so denise laflamboise and i've known denise for seven plus years and watched her build an amazing mortgage business and absolutely love her drive her ability with people process and so she came on with bricks as their chief of operations to help us because we've been growing so quickly to, to scale and put processes in place and man i can tell you in the first few weeks of her being at the brokerage she's already fixed a whole bunch of things and found all kinds of things to improve. So very excited about what the next year and maybe years look like with Denise's assistance and help on that. Also in this episode, I talked to uh, Ruben Gorsh from Deeded about debunking myths and legends of virtual signings. Before we jump into that, we'll give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's very easy to use. As the client's filling up the application, it automatically knows what documents to ask for. It's connected to Lender Spotlight, so you can search all the rates and guidelines. You can connect it to Zapier, so you can actually have it trigger activities and other functions. So there's a whole bunch of cool things you can do with, Lend with this program called Finmo. You can check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo and uh, check out this conversation I had with Denise and Ruben. Hey, Denise, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. You built this fantastic business and almost runs itself now, but you've made a big change in what you're doing. So let's talk about that. What are you up to and why the change and a bunch of other questions we're going to ask you about. Okay. So yeah, I guess we did create a business that actually ran without me, right? Like it took that realtor model and went farther so that really can be on autopilot without me there. And now is there where it's running without me because I am now the COO of Bricks. Right, which I'm so excited to have you on. And how that got happened was listening to a podcast and they're talking about sort of the key people at the start of a company, how important they are, and they have to have different skill sets. And I was like, oh, who's the person that I know that would be the absolute best at this? 
right? And I'm like, Denise, but I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get her because you, I knew you had a great business and you do big volume and stuff. And so we've been talking for a while about what that could look like. And I have to say in the short period of time you've been here already, I'm like, man, at first I was calling you the eye of Mordor because you're finding every city. You're like, what about this? And I'm like, how the heck did you <laughs> find that? That's not even like, you're finding stuff everywhere. And you're like, okay, let's fix this and this and this. Because yeah, you get all these names. You were process. calling me the bad cop too. Like, it was yeah, but it, you know what? It's all good. Pain is good. Pain is growth. And so there's a lot of like, things that I knew that we had grown so quickly that wasn't my area of expertise. And I knew that for you, you're definitely great at process and building out systems, leading people as well. There's part of it, like, it's not enough to just be able to build systems. If you can't get people to agree and pull the rope in the same direction, you know, that's also been amazing. So for you, what's been the kind of biggest change switching from being a mortgage broker to doing this? Yeah, um, I'm not really sure. Like this is actually, it's just way bigger scale than what I was doing before, right? But the idea is the same, that now we're at a point where we're trying to get brokerage systems to a place where it is going to be paced for the growth that we want, right? Right. And the mortgage business was the same. It's just much smaller scale. This is way bigger. There's a lot more people asking me questions. There's a lot more like, you know, stuff coming up all the time, new challenges every day. But I love that. Like, I love being challenged. I like trying to figure out the answer. I really appreciate how many great friends I have in the industry that I can reach out to to be like, what does this mean? <laughs> or what, right. what, how do you do this in your brokerage? Like, and it's quite amazing how many top producing people in the industry are so willing to share and help each other. Yeah, the whole idea of who not how. Like, who knows how to set up my CRM? Who knows how to do insert whatever it is? Same thing on the brokers level. I notice you're very good about like, because you know other owners and stuff from doing this for so long. And you're like, hey, what do you guys do? And the collaboration piece allows everybody to move quicker and certainly for us to learn faster too. So that has been amazing. And then just baking in processes. And I said to you at first, because I'm like, I'm all gas pedal. And I'm like, you're being the break. And you're like, I've never been called a break ever. And you're not. Slow. Nobody has ever told me I was slow at anything. No, um, and yeah. I've noticed that. Like even the things that you said, hey, we need to slow down fix this like it's literally then within a couple of days you're like here you go here's the new process for this so it's like so it's not really a break like yeah it's been very good fun to work with you on some of this stuff what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for you personally in this new role compared to you know what you've done in the past i don't, well, don't I, say working don't say working with me <laughs> that's that's not what i said i think i know what the biggest challenge is like i just think this scale of it is so huge that there's things that come up that it just like, I've never dealt with before. Like, I didn't know that the Alberta regulator has a different regulation than everybody else or that the mm -hmm. Saskatchewan, like you have to have this different form, right? Like just different things that I didn't come up with in my uh, mortgage business. It's similar because you still had to figure out, you know, this lender does this and this lender does that, but it's just, it's a much bigger scale. Right. And there's the stuff that you hadn't run across necessarily, just given you're doing before you knew that, you know, you solve problems on the for self-employed clients, but this is a different. And then in terms I, of- I'll be honest, like what yeah. my biggest challenge is, is that most of you guys are in BC and I'm in Ontario. So right. like I'm getting a lot of messages and it's dinner time. And right. then I send Remarks, you guys a lot of like, messages. Yeah. Uh, like, in it's like six in the morning here. Yeah. 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 Right. That's a fair it's point. It's a blessing to... and a curse because it is a blessing that in the morning when I get to work at seven, like nobody bugs me. I have three solid hours of just doing whatever I need before anybody's going to contact me. Right. Yeah, that's true. But we try not to like, you know, push that, but it is, we're definitely growing quickly. And then in terms of like, what have you noticed about, you know, the people and processes 
you said something to me. You're like, what did you say about my processes and about the people? Because I, I was like, I thought it was kind of hilarious, actually. Uh, like, I expected it to be worse, I think, right. because I do think that you and I have very opposite skill sets and we approach the same problem from an opposite direction, which is really cool because I think mm-hmm. it challenges us to say, like, to see it from the other side in terms of, like, I'm always looking at sustainability and you're always looking at growth. And, like, it's very, very interesting. I was... Uh, insanely surprised incredibleness of the people that you have there especially the staff I mean I was originally drawn to the we did the 10 loans a month thing I had always said to people that you attract the best people and it's true not just like at that coaching company but like the agents are amazing the collaboration is amazing and the staff are just incredible they're all but we had stretched the systems way past the breaking point you said to me your processes are shit your people are great so i was like okay well that's why you're here denise because i knew that i could not possibly go back and fix all these things i'd be very slow at it if i could even successfully do it so yeah um, but the processes for me are the easy part like that's the part i know how to do I mean, that's even what I was doing in the hospital as a professional practice leader. What are we doing? Is it allowed? Regulations do we have to follow? Where, like, what are the rules we have to like cite when we do this? What kind of forms do we have to have? What do we have to document? Like, that is all the same stuff. It's just for you know different purposes. So to me, the process stuff is like that's the easy stuff. Tell me the rules, and I'll figure out how we can most efficiently operate within them. Right. I don't know if you saw the other day, I did a quick math on. So in the first year as the brokers, you did 441 mortgages in the first 365 days. And then in the last 78 days, we did 400. We had more mortgages in the last 78 days in the last 365, which I was like, holy crap. But like, I know the market's With, with yeah. the same shitty systems. Like, dude. Yes. <laughs> you know, rapidly getting those things fixed. And again, one of the things that you brought is bringing in other people. Instead of us building it from scratch ourselves, you're like, hey, this person's an expert at this. Let's get them to build out our follow-up system. Let's get them to build out this. And so that, again, back to who, not how, I think that's been very helpful. Where do you kind of see us going the next six months? I think within the next two or three months, we'll have all of the systems that we need to be able to really start to insanely scale. So then you can do your marketing stuff that you're best at, and I can keep you know everything on track and on the rails behind the scenes. So right. I, I think you know within the six months, I would see at least two or three more provinces that we'd be able to be operating in and having agents in and being able to support them. Right. Oh, for sure. So what have I not asked you about this whole role that you think would be useful for people to be aware of? So something that was kind of funny is I remember when you originally like were starting a mortgage brokerage and you said, I'm starting a brokerage and I'm going to work with newbies. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. Who would want to do that? (laughs) Who would want to do yeah. that? And like, I, think, I like, I, I like doing things that are like, ah, oh, that doesn't sound like, yeah, that's a, that are hard mm-hmm. and difficult. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, do you know how much effort and training it takes to train a new broker and how many questions they have and how much support they need and how the information is not consistent that's out there. And like, even have the time to answer all their questions. Like, this is crazy. And you're like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm like, good luck to you. Have a nice life. And I probably didn't talk to you again for a year, but now, like when people are saying to me, I can't believe you want to like be part of a brokerage that spends time training newbies. Like, I can't think of a more amazing thing to be available for the broker community. When I was first starting out, I sought out programs. I 
you know, read all Dustin's books. I listened to every podcast you put out. You know, there wasn't a lot. I took all the Claire Drage training. She had a bunch of training courses. I took all of her courses. I signed up for a course with you. Like I paid $10,000 for that course with you, right? Like I probably spent 20, 30, $40,000 in the first year on different training things to try and get the information I needed that you now have that in a nice, neat package at a brokerage where you have people to answer your questions, you have support, you have people who are there to submit, you have access to all the letters you need. Like, that's incredible because it wasn't something that was there when I started. Right. And we don't just have like, yeah, we started out initially, you know, training new people. And now we've got a bunch of great pros with us. We call them pros, people that are experienced and you know, and you have ideas on how we can enhance that. So I'm always about like, I think we like when I build newbies and attract great people, like, you know, basically the whole idea is to help these agents just succeed. And I mean, we don't get everything. We're not perfect and we're learning. And, you know, there's, I look back and I'm like, man, there's a bunch of stuff I could have done. Like, first off, I would have tracked it down way sooner if I had any sense. You may have been like, I'm not getting on that train with you yet to prove that it's actually like working before I'm going to, you know, so I, I may not have been able to get you, but it was been sooner, but the one thing I thought once you came in and started overhauling everything, I was like, dang, this would have been really helpful six months ago. But, you know, I, I don't usually yeah, but that that. thing sucks for everybody. Right. Like would I have yeah. a variable mortgage right now if I had great hindsight, <laughs> like, like, yeah, no, I would, no, I, I would have more. Yeah, I would listen to Ron Butler and taking a fixed rate. I'd yeah. been like, yeah, like take the fixed rate. And I would not. But for the longest time before COVID, I remember saying to people, if you see anything with less than a three in front of it, like lock in. That's what we said forever. And then COVID came and we're like, no, I want 1.1. <laughs> like, no, I'm not locking in at 1.84. That's so high. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would be so happy if I had done that, but it is what it is. And I also bought a property in March of 2022, which is probably the peak of the market. I always buy at the peak of the market. I have this ability to be like predict it, but I always do the wrong thing. It's like I bought in January 2008, which was a peak back then. And so if you want to know the next peak, follow me around and be like, is Scott buying? It's probably the time to sell if you wanted to. Try. I might have done that too. I bought in 2008. I bought in 2021. Yeah, but you bought a cottage or something, right? Oh, no, in 2022, I bought a cottage. 2021, oh. I bought a rental. Right. Yeah. Thing is over a long enough time horizon, the decisions don't look too bad. It's just in the short term, it can, you know, it doesn't work. And then in terms of like, got a bunch of processes you're putting in place for the underwriting department. What do you see next on the horizon? Once you get that dialed in, what do you think the things that you want to tackle or improve? I like that you have a situation where you're really just listening to the agents. Like I think, you know, having the agents dictate what they want is amazing because if we build out training that people want or people are seeking out that they can have as part of their brokerage so that like me, they don't have to go spend tons of money all at these different places to get something they need. I think that's really beneficial. So I like being able to do that stuff. I mean, I've already built out a bunch of training on like underwriting and senior submission notes and just stuff that will help everybody be better brokers and better serve lender partners. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. I've said before, I feel like it's a rocket ship and I'm holding on to the outside of it, you know, as it's going and I'm like, just don't fall off. And I am so grateful that you've taken this. I know that you, for you, like it was a big decision and I'm grateful that you took this role on because man, like with you and me, I think we can do way more than I could possibly do on my own. Cause I think the sides of the rocket ship wouldn't start to peel off if I kept going the way I was going, because I'm always like more growth, this solves all problems. Like, no, it doesn't. It creates like, mm -hmm. and that's my philosophy has always been like, just keep going. And it's like, well, sometimes you need to actually re-enforce things before you try to go faster. 
Well, I think with the right systems and scalable processes in place, and then having, you know, a plan, a plan for whoever you need to hire next, like a strategic plan for where we're going is really key to be able to actually support sustainable growth. And then another area that you brought to my attention, which again, I, you know, maybe because I spent the last five or six years primarily focusing on training and sales and marketing training for mortgage brokers, but the importance of great lender partnerships and you have a great reputation with lenders. And so you've been, you know, working those angles with our lender partners to make sure that we're a good partner to them, but they're good to us as well. And maybe touch on that a little bit about how important lender partnerships are, because really we don't have anything without them guys, right? No, you have nothing without your lenders, right? If you have lenders who are unhappy with the quality of your deals or who you are not supporting or not, you know, giving back to them, you can't expect everything from them, right? If we want a situation where we want great service and we want, you know, dedicated underwriters and really great BDMs who are going to pick up the phone when we call them, like we need to give that back to them. Like we need to give them good deals. We need to be respectful of their time. We need to not be sending in deals that we know we're not going to fund. Like we should not be wasting anybody's time. We should also be kind to everybody. We should be giving compliments all the time. You know, people work really hard, really hard in this industry. It's not easy, especially right now. And we have to be mindful that like our lender partners are really hurting too, right? Like we need to really care about what they need, what types of mortgages they need, because certain products you get access to if you give them certain volumes, like you need to be aware of those things and on top of them so that we can support them as much as we need support from them. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. So I'm grateful that you've made that part of the job description of being like, hey, we're going to make sure that these lenders love us. And, and I think the partners. first week I was here, I was like, here's the 10 commandments of how we deal with lenders. <laughs> this yeah. is how we behave to our lenders. This is what we do. This is how we operate. Um, yeah, I know that I've had some lenders reach and go, yeah, Denise is awesome because you understand that side really well. Well, last thing I want to ask about is NLP. So take an NLP training, maybe explain to people what it is, because I see you do this all the time. Like I've seen you with the team and stuff, and I'm just like, man, you're like a Jedi with people. So talk to me about how NLP training, what it is, and then how it's helped you in your business. I would say it's helped me in my personal life more than anything else, right? With my kids and my marriage. But like, I think it helps in business too, that NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. So it's really like talking how people want to be spoken to and listening to what they're saying, right? Like it's just communication model, but it really is about making an effort to understand what people's underlying needs are. And you can better serve that and you can better communicate to that if you understand what they want. Right? Yeah, you frame it in their benefit. And I think anybody listening to this, look it up. There's some great books on it. Take training if you find training on it. I know one of the things that you also brought was so we've got NLP trainers that come in and on a weekly basis and do training with our people because it will help you in all your not only relationships, client conversations, you know, team. Yeah, everything. If you think even yeah. that when we're talking about the one inbox or whatever, if you tell a realtor you have to call the office or you have to email if you want me to help your client, they're going to be like, well, who do you think you are? But if you say, you know what, if you want me to make you look like a rock star, if you email a shared email to me and the client introducing us, you will see a response within about five minutes every single time. We will make you look amazing and we will make you look like you're getting the VIP service you deserve. Right? right. Who's not going to oh. do what we asked, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. You just proved it right like that. You're like, hey, and you can do the same thing, but it's all about the language. And the thing I like about NLP is it's like there's this 
quote that one of my mentors used to say, everything lives in language. And so the language you choose really matters how the other person, whether they respond, how they feel. And it's probably a little bit too direct, a tendency to be not, you know, especially when I'm moving quickly. And so I have to slow down and be like, okay, I got to frame this better and not move so quick. Yeah. But, um, and, and parenting is what really teaches you that, right? Like dealing with kids and I'm like, I need them to do something. You have, have to yet? do this. Not yet. Right. Well, this is 12. Right. Right. But these are valuable skills like to learn because if you need to go to bed, like how do I ask you go to bed, go to bed, go to bed, or do you want to go to bed right side up or upside down? If you give them a choice, they will pick one. Right. Right side up or upside down. Right. But you're still going to bed. I might carry right. you upside down. You're going to bed. Right. I love that. Awesome. And where can people find you, Denise, online? They're looking for you. I guess they can find me at Bricks now. Yeah. Denise at <laughs> com. if they're interested to, you know, say hi or whatever. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm excited to have you as part of the team. I can't wait to see what we do in the next, you know, three to six months. And there's so much opportunity out there. Like we're just, you know, scratching the surface of what I think is possible. And yeah, it's awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Thanks. Hey, thanks again for listening. And if you know Denise, you know, she's an amazing person and I just absolutely love working with her. And we definitely are not the same. We have some, you know, complementary skills, but she definitely overlaps me and has a significantly more skill in areas that I don't. So this is for me like a massive upgrade. I've kind of described it. I've been flying a plane with one engine and I just added another engine. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I can't wait to see what we do. In this next segment, I talked to Reuven from Deeded about the myths of virtual science. Hey, Ruben, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here again. So, hey, what topic do we want to dive into today? I think today I'd love to debunk some of the myths and legends around virtual signing. So we get... The uh, legend of the virtual signing. And let's get Yeah, so we get all sorts of great questions all the time about, you know, virtual signings. How do they work? What does it mean? Is it for, you know, my younger clients? Is it those that prefer remote? So I'd love to, you know, chat a little bit about that. And I think there's a lot more than meets the eye when it comes to signing your documents or signing your closing documents in our example virtually right okay cool so what do you mean the first sort of topic you want to chat about when it comes to virtual signings so the first question we get is is it just for my young tech savvy clients right my clients aren't to technology they're not you know they're not sure and my answer to that always is like do your clients have a cell phone do they have a smartphone and the answer is usually yes. I think most people, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not an age thing. It's not a tech savviness thing. They have a smartphone. They could do a virtual signing. Very, very simple rule, right? That means they have an internet connection. That means they're able to sign using their finger. Most smartphones have a webcam. So that really meets the requirements. It's all you really need. You don't need to download and install software. You don't need to configure stuff. You don't need to sit there, you know, toggling switches and prepare for your call. Yeah. To put on makeup, any of that stuff. It's just really, really that easy for anyone to jump on the virtual signing bandwagon. And of course, it is about the convenience for them. It's about the speed of getting your closing done. And especially mm -hmm. nowadays, I know I just had lunch with the lender, you know, rates are changing and a lot of people are now jumping on that sense of urgency that deals need to close and then you get funded by a certain timeline, right? So how do you mm -hmm. better- Or you can use, you can lose rate holds and stuff. So you can have rates that expire and then the lender's like, well, I'm not giving you that because I'm losing money. So yeah, it's important that you actually hit those deadlines so that you're not 
costing the client money. Right. So with virtual, what are we eliminating? We're eliminating the back and forth of like, hey, when can you come in to sign? When can your partner or spouse come in to sign? When can your guarantors come in and try to coordinate, you know, sometimes, you know, three or four people coming together at the same location at the same time. And you'll find that your nearest availability date is likely two to three weeks out, right? And what does that do to yeah. your deal? It, it delays it by two, three weeks. You're not getting paid, puts your entire deal at risk. So virtual really, really is about, hey, when can you click a button and join this call all together, be explained the documents, sign on your screen. And we oftentimes get appointments booked the same day. Like, hey, can you do it at 6 p.m.? Can you do it at 9 p.m.? No problem. We can do that. Right. Yeah, that's true. And you don't have to find parking. You don't have to, if you've got kids, either take them with you or childcare, all that stuff becomes a non, totally. non-issue. Okay. So maybe my thought, what is security like with virtual signing versus going into an office and sitting down with a lawyer? So that's another myth to bust, right? Virtual signings actually offer much better security than in person. And the way it offers that security is really threefold. One is we've got IDV or identity verification technologies that are state of the art. When you're signing in person, odds are someone's, you know, lawyer or law clerk or receptionist is checking your ID. Are they really qualified to check your ID? Are they validating that your driver's license that you just gave them is an actual active driver's Mm -hmm. license against the database of, you know, the Ministry of Transportation or any other, you know, government authority that may be relevant. So with IDV or ID verification technology, that verification happens and it has, you know, likeliness. You take a selfie. Do you really look like the picture? If you don't, it's flagged. So that's, you know, the first step of, you know, is Scott who he says he is when he's signing documents. That's our, you know, biggest challenge to figure out. And IDV just does an amazing job. A lot job, of that for you, yeah. Right? Second thing is document integrity. So if we sign in person, we sign, we call wet ink, so pen and paper, how do I know that that document wasn't altered afterwards? How do I know that you, you know, cross something out, you know, cross an amount, cross a percentage out, you know, put in a fake initial and you're saying, no, 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 I, you know what? I signed for a 3% interest rate. I didn't really sign that 5.5. And now, mm-hmm. now it's your word against theirs. So obviously yeah. digital, once it's signed, it's locked. It cannot be altered. There's a digital copy. There's a log behind the scenes that says exactly when it was signed by who, et cetera. So protecting that the integrity of the document, always important, especially in this world. And the third and last is really access control. So with virtual, every document is locked in terms of you know who can access it, who can control it, where it's stored. Right. Paper copies, wonderful. They go in a file cabinet. They can get lost in a the move. They can get lost in transition. And now you're asking, well, who's got my documents? Who's got my information, mm-hmm. right? Yes, there's hacking. There's all sorts of stuff that happens in the digital world in terms of risk. Right. Uh, it can happen. Lot, it can yeah, happen. There's a lot more opportunity for control. Right. So, yeah, I agree. I think you use video. Do you guys record the videos when you sign? Absolutely. Yeah. Everything's recorded and obviously logged in the background. So he said, she said anything like, well, you didn't tell me that. It's like, no, actually we did right right here. Remember you, you know, so I think for another reason. So that makes sense. So then in terms of like you said, speed was one of the things. What are some of the other reasons that, you know, brokers or people are moving more towards virtual signings? So, yeah, definitely speed. You want to close and you want to close fast, especially nowadays. Things are changing. If you've got a commitment, get the deal, get the deal signed. It's in your best interest. It's in your client's best interest not to let time fly by. Efficiency means that 
again, you know, we're not sitting there going back and forth, deciding when we're going to sign, when we're going to get together. Your virtual signing appointment typically is 20 to 30 minutes. Think about traveling anywhere to sign documents. You know, nowadays, I know in Toronto traffic or oh, bank- 20 minutes is like, you guys think that's clo- half an hour is close. So when I was there recently. They were like, I was talking to friends. I'm like, hey, we're going to go hike a hill. Oh, there's like an old ski hill. It's really close. And I was like 25 minutes. I'm like, this isn't close. Not for where I live. But of course, right. Toronto, that's, right. there it's like, that's close. I'm like, nah, it depends on where you live. But you're right. There's travel time and everything yeah. that makes it less efficient. Travel time, parking Exactly. Inaccuracy as well. So how many times have you signed documents as a big paper package? You flip through the pages and you, you put your John Hancock signature there. But what happens when you miss a page? Guess what? You're going to probably have to come back and re-sign it because somewhere, whether in the lender process or the legal process, at some point that file is going to get audited. They're going to notice, hey, you know what? Scott Peckford forgot to initial on page 14. And now we need Scott and everybody else that signed to come back in and physically sign that document again, because of course it's not valid if we didn't sign it and all that stuff. For all of you that ever signed with DocuSign or any digital technology, it won't let you proceed. You can't click the finish button until- You can't miss something else, yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing. Not that it happens very often, but it's there to protect everybody and give everybody peace of mind. It's there to protect, you know, for the brokers that are listening, it's there to protect you and your client integrity of your deal. So overall, you know, speed, efficiency, accuracy are things that are just well below the surface when it comes to virtual, because we all think it's just, oh, it's convenience. You know, maybe my clients like remote and I always ask the question like, well, who doesn't like convenience? Who doesn't like to save time? It's not. Especially on something that's not like this is going to a theater and watching a show live where the live experience is different. And this is just a task that needs to get done on the way to something else, which is buy the property or get the mortgage redone or whatever. So it's not something that people are like, yes, this is like going to a live theater event. We don't care. Just want to get it finished. So any final thoughts on virtual signings? The only thing I would encourage anyone listening is give it a try, right? I think we all live in a little bit of fear and doubt that we know that I've had a certain process and it's worked for years and people love the in-person stuff. And I would say, give it a shot, give it a shot with- How many brokers still meet with clients? So like, you know, just think about this for a second. If you are not using a law firm that uses virtual signings, the vast majority of brokers do not meet clients face-to-face. So why would you make them then go to a law firm that they have to- drive to take time off work, maybe find parking, find child care to sign stuff when it could all be done the same as you did it with them. So it just makes a lot of sense. So yeah, yeah, exactly. if you guys are listening to this, yeah, check out Deeded, Ruben's company, Dita.ca. This is just one of the many things that you guys do really well and they can help you get the virtual signing. I've done a couple of transactions with you guys. It was super slick. Like literally signed with my phone, with my finger, like turned it sideways, you know, right there with the lawyer. It was like, it was awesome. So highly recommend it. Thanks Ruben for chatting with me. Thanks for having me again, Scott. Hey, thanks again for listening to these episodes and a couple quick things. One, if you want to find out more about what Bricks, what we're doing there and why we're growing so rapidly, go to whybricks.com. That's W-H-Y-B-R-X.com. You can check that out. we got a short webinar there that walks you through some of the things that we're doing. We're not for everybody. So like, you know, I'd say our ideal broker is somebody doing between 10 to 30 million and wants great support, wants collaboration, wants to be part of a fantastic 
group of people that are all about growing and improving their mortgage business. You are our people. So that's where if you're in that kind of category, we would love to chat with you. Go check out whybricks.com. And thanks again for listening to these episodes. Appreciate you. And if you want to go keyword search all of our past episodes, go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com and you can literally set up a free account and keyword search all of our episodes. It's a very powerful tool. Check it out. And I will see you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.